friends, and welcome to the Blackhawk Youth Theater Podcast. In this episode, we will hear from Mark Ostreicher from the 2019 Youth Leader Conference on the topic of ministry with LGBTQ teens and how to create a community where everyone truly belongs. Let's get started. This episode is going to be a couple short sections from a YLC 2019 breakout session led by Mark Ostreicher, aka Marco, on the topic of ministry with LGBTQ teens. Uh, You're only going to hear a couple highlights from the 75-minute breakout, but we made the entire talk available on the Volunteer SharePoint site if you want to hear more, and I'd encourage you to check that out. We pulled what we think are the most important for you to know, but since a lot was cut, uh, let me fill in the gaps before we hear from Marco. First, Marco has been in youth ministry for over 30 years and runs a company called Youth Cartel uh, that creates resources for youth workers. He leads a small group of middle schoolers at his home church in San Diego, and according to them, he uh, they are utterly unimpressed by him, uh, despite all of his youth ministry success. Um, He's also the parent of two adult children and has some deep wisdom when it comes to the topic of this episode. Now, we're skipping ahead in the talk to some of Marco's more pragmatic tips to love LGBTQ teens, Um, but the context he sets up before this is that his child, who grew up as a girl, eventually came out as genderqueer and bisexual using them, their pronouns. Their name is Riley, and you'll hear a bit about their experience as well as Marco's experience as a dad of an LGBTQ teen um, and how this all relates specifically to church and youth group. Uh, We know this is a controversial theological issue and that not everyone listening agrees with each other, Uh, but this episode is not necessarily meant to change anyone's theological beliefs. What we want to focus on is how to make sure our ministry is a place for every student to belong, no matter their gender identity or sexual orientation. Here at Blackhawk Church, we hold to a traditional understanding on this topic that the only sexuality affirmed in the Bible is between a man and a woman in the context of a loving marriage. But even if we're right about what the Bible says, if we aren't loving, well, then we're wrong. We hope this story uh, from Marco and the content of his talk helps shape you into a more loving and inclusive leader to all students. Enjoy. But I'm not going to talk about theological camps or have a, a, a debate here about uh, different uh, theologies. And um, we'll be pretty close, 
on, on my own even. I instead want to spend our time a little more on some of the more pragmatic stuff because I really hope that um, you will be better equipped to understand and to respond to the kids in your group so that no matter where you're at on the theological spectrum on these issues, that you will be able to uh, honestly and with integrity communicate, we love you and we want you here, right? Because, and I'm going to talk about this more at length in a little bit, but because ultimately to people who are same-sex attracted or um, or somewhere on the trans spectrum or anything like that, uh, research has made it very clear that they care much more about if a church or youth ministry makes it clear that we want you here than they, they, than they care about whether or not you agree with them and their lifestyle. Okay? Um, so, let me tell you some things that I needed from my church as I was going through this that I ultimately really didn't get. Okay? I'll just acknowledge Gary sitting over here was my co-leader of my junior high boys small group during this time. And um, so I, I don't know how familiar some of this story will be to you because I don't think I was super public about it. And I don't know, did, did Bea, right? Did you know Liesl, Riley? Liesl? Yeah, yeah, because she was in the high school group at that church in California. Gary's a youth pastor in Milwaukee now. Um, so just kind of my world's coming together here, which is kind of fun. Uh, so here's what I needed from my church that I mostly didn't get. Uh, I don't want or need judgment uh, on me or on my kid. Um, that should sound obvious, but here's the reality. It's it's easier than you think. I mean, it's, it's harder than you think it is. Uh, because so many comments and reactions that are coming from a good place of compassion on your part can come off as judgment. For example, if you say, what do you think went wrong or what caused this? It's really easy for me in my vulnerable and fragile place to interpret that as judgment. It's really easy for that to feel like some form of condemnation on my parenting or on my kid. And in that space, ultimately, I need to know you're still with me and for me, with and for my kid. Okay? Secondly, um, I want compassion but not pity. Now, some of this is probably a little bit my personality, but... Man, I just found, especially, I find it a little bit less these days, but for uh, quite a few years when I would share my story in vulnerability with people, I would get quite a bit of pity and I found myself just, oh, it just really felt like judgment. When somebody said, I'm so sorry, or even, hmm, that felt like um, my kid doesn't. Well, it felt like them saying, your kid doesn't meet my approval. Okay, uh, Specifically, your kid does not meet my expectation of the perfect youth group kid. The kid that I really wish populated our youth ministry. Um, and that was really, really difficult for me. I found that kind of stuff driving a relational wedge between me and the youth pastor. Um, and I, I felt myself distancing myself from him to both protect myself and to protect my family and my kid, which ultimately was counterproductive for both of us. Um, But that that was the impulse it took me to. 
Uh, so please do ask how I'm doing. Uh, please acknowledge that parenting can be tough. Uh, please ask how you can help. But I really struggle when people say, I'm so sorry for you, or that hmm, sad face, because it sounds like an inference that my kid doesn't meet your approval. Okay, I think maybe that I needed the same thing that my child ultimately needed, which is to know that you still want my kid there, even if they don't fit your idea of the ideal youth ministry kid. Okay. Third thing, I want you to celebrate all that is good and beautiful and true about my child and my relationship with my child. The reality is, um, my kid is much more than these struggles, these questions, these issues. Uh, it's interesting, uh, as a little sidebar here, uh, my church in San Diego is a, uh, good-sized, non-denominational, evangelical church on this issue. They are just on the conservative side, if you want to say there's some kind of a midpoint in it. They're just on the conservative side of this, um, uh, but they have wrestled with it. And at a leadership level, which I'm not technically a part of, you realize I'm a layperson in my church, I'm not employed there, so I've kind of watched this unfold. Uh, as they've wrestled with it, my church, I'm just stating this as a case study, um, not as a prescription, okay? Um, they have come to a conclusion, we don't think we're moving theologically, but we really want to be more open and inviting to all kinds of people, including LGBTQ people. And so they've made some decisions on that, like this question about a uh, uh, biblical understanding of what the Bible teaches about homosexuality. That's not a pulpit question. That is a living room question. And that will be discussed in relationship, not proclaimed. Um, and so you won't hear our pastor anymore teaching this is what our church believes. You have to actually engage in relationship to find that out. Um, but on the other side of it, they have uh, started, our church doesn't do baby baptisms, but they do child dedications. And they've uh, started quite a few years ago now the practice of uh, being fine with doing child dedications for gay couples. And their rationale was on that, on that was why would we hold back a blessing on this child? Right, but every time we do that, we have about five families leave the church. Um, they're not excited about the church is not excited about that. I think it's kind of cool, um, <laughs> but it is a stand that they've taken, right? And somehow, as a result, our church, which is still, I would say, a nominally progressive evangelical church has become known in San Diego, which has an extremely large gay population, as somewhat of a gay church. In fact, jokingly sometimes referred to by gay people as the gay church, which is ironic to me because our church would not actually affirm any kind of monogamous gay relationship um, and would certainly not support gay marriage. So there's this weird tension that exists there. However, many of the gay people who come to our church have said... I used to go to a church that was more overtly an actual gay church, an affirming church that says we're totally supportive of gay marriage and everything else in that arena. But many of them have said there's one in particular, a church that uh, is really the truly the gay church, 
like the vast majority of people who go there are gay. And um, people stopped going there and started coming to our church because they would say, at that church, it's all they ever talked about. And I am so much more than my sexuality. I am a whole person. And I have interests that have nothing to do with my, attra- my gender attraction. And I have, I want to relate to normal people, not only people who are just like me. And so they actually prefer to live in this space of tension as long as it's clear we want you here. Okay? This is really an important principle for us, particularly in our churches and to some extent in our youth ministries. How can we live with that tension? Maybe it's not a tension in your church. Maybe your church is completely affirming. And so it's easy for you to say that we want you here. But I want to encourage those of you who are more conservative. It is not at all impossible to maintain a conservative theological posture and embrace a warm and inviting and welcoming offer. We want you here. We want you to belong here genuinely and not as a bait and switch. Okay. Um, so I want you to celebrate all that's good and beautiful and true about my child and my relationship with my child. And it felt like every time the high school pastor and I talked, this is all that was brought up and I got weary of it. I got really weary of it. There were so many other good things happening, right? I mean, Riley was one of his key leadership students who was working constantly every week on behalf of the high school ministry to do great stuff, but that never got talked about, right? Instead, it was only this this issue. Um, And Riley and I still had a great relationship through all of this, and that was not acknowledged either. And then finally... Um, I need you to get uncomfortable and go overboard in communicating we love you and want you here to my kid without qualifications. It's not only what LGBTQ students need, it's what their parents need from you. It's definitely what I needed, and I, and I didn't see that happening. Right? There was always a qualification. We want you here, but we need you to understand this. And it's fine to say at some point, here's what our community believes. We want you to understand that. Separate it from we want you here. Because when you put them together in one sentence, it nullifies the first half. When you say we want you here, but then you don't really want me here. That's how... It feels whether or not that's your intention. And in many ways, it, it grammatically, that is what it means. We're not really sure you want, we want you here. Okay. Unless you ascribe to this. Okay. Uh, I want you to burn these four statements into your mind. Uh, four sentences that you literally, I want you to have memorized. And I want you to go back to the youth ministry team at your church and have everyone memorize these. That if a kid ever comes to you, paid youth worker, volunteer, whatever, if a kid ever comes to you and says, I wonder if we could talk, um, I think I might be gay, or whatever it is they say. They'll say some wide variation on that, right? That you have these four initial short statements memorized, and you are ready to give them in order. Okay? Here they are. Number one, Thank you for your courage. Even if you are in a safe and trusted relationship with a teenager, for them to come out to you in any way, even if it's just asking a question, it takes courage. 
particularly if you're in a more conservative church, they realize there is a risk involved with this and it's possible I'm going to experience rejection or judgment. They might not know those words, but they have that sense. And it takes courage. So affirm their courage and thank them for their willingness to talk to you. Second, God loves you. The majority of kids who would make a statement or ask a question like that are also suspicious that this might mean that God already has or is going to reject me. So we need to state the biblical truth. God loves you. And we need to say this one over and over again in unqualified ways. Third, we love you. And fourth, we want you here. Now there's lots of other things for us to talk about. But let's be clear about these four things. Thanks for your courage. God loves you. We love you. We want you here. that short excerpt from Marco's breakout at YLC 2019. There is so much more to process in Marco's full talk, and you can find that on the volunteer SharePoint site under Leader Resources. But we hope this has been a start to just thinking about our LGBTQ students not as problems to be solved or issues to debate, but people to be loved. May God continue to shape all of us into leaders who create environments where every student belongs, no matter what. We'll see you next time on the Blackhawk Youth Leader Podcast. Grace and peace, friends. Thank you.